telephone workers. Amen. Thank you for your liberality. Wow, what a week it's been. Uh, Pastor Campbell's ministered, I mean, just been Holy Ghost all week. And we're on the tail end of it. Uh, he's been preaching out ever since conference a couple weeks straight. So I know he's tired, but I'll tell you, let's give him our, our all of our, our mind tonight. Let him preach to us. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you for uh, your attendance this week, uh, your faithfulness uh, to God your family, the church, amen. That's uh, so needed today. I so appreciate your pastor, family, all of you. Uh, Dion's taking care of me this week some, amen. His wife fixed some soul food. Shush, I'm going to fly her in, amen, when we have our, we have our uh, black history. Every year we have a black history, and we feed hundreds and hundreds of people. I'm going to fly her in for soul food, amen. I'm just messing with you, dear, amen. <laughs> Praise God. Anyway, thank you tonight. Um, I want to minister a little bit different stream, Genesis chapter 2 this evening. I've tried to touch on different areas this week. Uh, and uh, this message is to make you aware, perhaps, of what's happening in this generation. Uh, but not just what's happening, but perhaps what's causing it to happen. Uh, I was in a Bible conference a few years ago, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And uh, I was, it's a Bible conference, just like we came out of the Chandler conference a couple weeks ago. And God began to whisper to me, pray for people who have thoughts of suicide. And in my mind, I'm saying, God, this is a Bible conference. These people, there's pastors and wives and basically church people and it was so strong that eventually I had everyone bow their head I said please this is very personal bow your head and I said how many of you have had thoughts of suicide and there was probably 200 people that lifted their hand and it shocked me this was probably four or five years ago but let me uh, give you some quotes. 2018, the health organization Cigna reported almost one quarter of Americans classified their mental health as fair to poor. 54% of Americans feel lonely. And this seems to affect the young more and more. 70% of people aged 10 to 40 years old said, I'm lonely. One quarter of all millennials could not name a single friend. New York Times, there was an article, The Epidemic of Loneliness, Suicide is the Second Leading Cause of Death among young people. Between 2007 and 2017, suicide among Americans age 10 to 24 jumped 56%. Desperate, all the material advantage, and yet young people today are more miserable, 
depressed and lonely than any other generation recorded in history. So the question is why? What's caused this epidemic of loneliness and suicide and the absence of friends? I want to minister for a few minutes on the epidemic of loneliness. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, God speaking in the very beginning. And the Lord God said, it's not good that a man should be alone. I will make a helper comparable to him. And of course, he created Eve brought them together. It's not good. If you understand anything about the prison system, we have a lot of guys in our church and women that's done time. And solitary confinement is one of the most agonizing punishments. Father, tonight we come by the blood of Jesus. I pray, God, you minister to their people. God, give them revelation, the church as a family. God, I come against this spirit of loneliness. I pray tonight you bind up the brokenhearted, set at liberty those that are bruised, open prison doors to those who are bound. God, I pray, God, give a friend. God, give a revelation, God. Heal the sick. And may the gospel forever be preached to the poor. I pray in Jesus' name. Loneliness this evening and being alone are not always the same. Loneliness is not just a physical absence of other people. There's 7 billion people on planet Earth today. There's more people on planet Earth than anywhere in the world. People on top of people. I'm in Madras, India. Five corners. Here's this mass of humanity. You can't move. I mean, India is one of the most populated nations in the world, soon to pass China. And I'm walking there, and I start to take a step, and here's this woman lying there in the middle. Here's thousands of people, and she's birthing a baby right before my eyes. And people walking by like she doesn't exist. Loneliness, as I said... And being alone is not always just the absence of people. These cities on the East Coast have a hurricane. Jacksonville, Florida, they can't even, there's so many people, they can't even exit the city up. More crowds and yet more lonely. It's not the absence of people. Phoenix, where I live, it's expanded over the past 10 years more than any other large city in America. Surrounded by people, they, there's a term, digitally connected, but all alone. In our text, God said to Adam, I've created you, and I created you with my spiritual DNA. I created you in my likeness and image. I shaped you and formed you, and it's not good that you should be alone. The church, the whole church is born that God would have relationship. One of the powerful things, one of the staggering thoughts is here we are crazy in sin and Jesus reaches out, the Holy Spirit convicts us, we pray a prayer, we're born again so that God can walk with us, so that he can speak to us 
He's the terminology. He's our Father. All of these are relational. The church, brothers and sisters in Christ. In other words, you were created in God's life, and God said, I want to have relationship with you, and I want you to have relationship with people. It's not good that you be alone. Married, you know the story. He brought Eve and they became one flesh. Loneliness is living a life with unmet needs. That's what loneliness is. Someone is missing. It's emotional needs, mental needs, relational needs that aren't being met. Uh, a friend, uh, someone to share a wife, someone to share a dream with, someone to talk to, someone to have eye contact with, someone that's flesh and blood to touch you. Uh, loneliness. Friendship is formed and shaped in space and time. It has to do with eye contact. It has to do with the sound of your voice. Connie and I have been married, I, you know, we got married in 1963. We've been married a couple of days. We're young, we're crazy. She was 16 and I was 12 when we got married. Not really. <laughs> so I told that in conference one time. Pastor Mitchell about fell out of his seat. She was 16. She was 16. I was 21. They'd probably arrest me today. But uh, uh, I'm telling you, life, we were holding hands when my daughter Gail, 15 years old, died tragically. Tragically. I'm in the Philippines. Sunday afternoon, she's with some of the church kids. They go hiking and it rained and she falls 100 feet. Lives about 30 minutes. My son got to her side. She's speaking in tongues when she went into eternity. Who's holding my hand at the grave? When my father died, my mother, my brother, her mother, her father, her brothers, life, when we went off to the mission field, Malaysia, Muslim country, 1987, pioneer churches taking shots in life. Something about someone holding your hand. Something about someone. You can, you can hear their breath. You're familiar to their voice. You understand their behavior. Sometimes Connie and I, we've emerged along, we'll be somewhere and we'll start and we'll say the exact same thing. I don't even have to order at a restaurant. If she gets there before me, she knows what I'm going to eat. Amen. But anyway, we're talking about something to someone to share life with. One quarter of all the millennials could not name a single friend. That's this generation. No friends. Psalm 68, 6, God sets the lonely, the solitary in families. One of the powerful things about the church 
I don't know about you, but we have some folks get saved. They're out there. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean. They come in. Drugs will put you out there. And they, I mean, you can tell, you know. Some, some of you may have saw Otis at church when you were there at conference. Uh, he'd come from the streets. I mean, I'm talking about he's living on the streets. And um, he just, everybody's sitting. He stands up. I don't know if you noticed him at conference. But you know he's got a tie and a coat on, man. I, when he came through the door, he had a backpack and underwear, and that's about it. But here he is in church, man. And I mean, when he come in, he, he couldn't even speak. He's fried. And, and he's got that look in his eye. So you know what I'm talking about. You have a look in the eye, and you want anybody home? But he got saved. And he, the other day he talked to me, he said, Pastor Campbell, he's in the prayer room praying before service. I went, oh, I said, oh, this, how's it going? But you know one of the powerful things? John Bullinger saw him on the street. John's driving by. He's married now, but he wasn't. He was single then. And he stopped, and he's saying, listen, Otis. He knew him from back in the day. He said, Otis, listen, you can come live with me. You can come live with me. And it was so potent. People were coming out of offices saying, listen, go with him. Go with him. They saw him there living on the street. Go with him. And it's the relationships that are changing his life. Who knows what he'll do? He's a young man. Who knows, one day he may be married. One day, who knows, God may call him. But see, the church, listen, they're all around. There's people all around you that are desperate. And they become geniuses many times at covering and hiding. You are designed for relationship. Cigna in this survey, they observed the reason for this is the erosion of the neighborhood communities, the fracturing of many families, and the decline of church attendance. I want to touch a few things that may be personal to you. I'm leaving tomorrow. Amen. You. <laughs> but listen to this terminology. Connected digitally, but disconnected from life and people. I wonder, is there a demonic strategy behind this? Pastor, you know, I get a call sometimes in the middle of the night. Pastor, I can't find my phone. I'm sorry, I left, I left the church. Get some of the staff, get them, go send them. I mean, it's two o'clock and I'm at my phone. I can't find my phone. I mean, and they're hyperventilating. Their Bible can lay in church for six months. And who, you know. Is that you? I'm just asking. Are you more connected to this Than this, what's the first thing you reach for in the morning? 
if this dings, you know, we got churches all over the world and sometimes they get confused on the time and I'll hear my phone in the middle of the night, they're texting. Can God, can Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John ever go, ding, 3 a.m., 2 a.m.? I'm just asking, amen. Don't get too, don't, don't tighten up on me too tight tonight. Listen to a quote of a young person. If it's not on a screen, I'm not interested. Now, I remember, I'm an old man, I'm almost 80, be 80 in May. I remember we had a phone on the wall and it was a party line. You pick it up and all your neighbors, you got to be careful what you're saying. They're all listening. They're wanting some juicy gossip. I remember a rotary phone. If you wanted to dial anywhere beyond your town, you had to get an operator. Remember that? Some of you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. It's like if I said uh, an album, a 78, you'd say, what is, what is that, you know? Phones. And then remember, remember the, the Blackberry. And there's the iPhone. And they all, I mean, why can't, mine is an eight, I think. It's the first one I ever got. Uh, James Rosario said when I got it, I bit the apple. You know, it's got the... <laughs> He's quoting Genesis, you know, to me. And, but now it's iPhone 9, 10. What is it up to, 13? You know, you know, they got their hand in your pocket. I get tired of, get, get your hand out of my pocket. This is plenty fine, amen. I can call, I can text. Let me give you some quotes. Today, Facebook, Instagram. Twitter, Snapchat. 6.8 billion people on cell phones. 1.9 billion daily active Facebook users. 2.4 billion phone calls in the U.S. every day. And yet lonely. Has your world gotten so big there's no time for people? Think about all these opinions and ideas and voices and, and I mean everybody in the sun is trying to scream in your head. Are you mentally overloaded? Is your world so noisy that you can't hear God? I'm challenging you to think. How can that be? How can, and these aren't even Christian people, how can they say this is the loneliest generation in the history of the United States of America and yet so digitally connected? All these suggestions, all this advice, all these words, it's so loud, it's so crowded, it's so noisy. News around the clock. You can choose your own truth. It's 
choose whatever. I remember six o'clock news. That was it. All these people. God, I'm, I'm going to challenge you. Did God design you for that? Or is it too much? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. What this one says, that one says. This, that, this, that, this, that. I'm going to unfollow you. I don't even know you. I've never seen you. I don't know the... Who gives a rip? Big deal, you're going to unfollow me. Wow. I'm supposed to be depressed? But you know young people are. This young girl, her family came in and got saved. She's a teenager, and she tried to commit suicide. She couldn't visit the hospital, COVID and everything. Finally, I got to talk to her, and you know what she said to me? She said, Pastor, just to hear your voice. She's a young girl, maybe 16 years old. She has a conference set on the front row over this area. <laughs> just to hear your voice. 16 years old and she tried to take her life. And you know why? Very much of it was because of social media. People she don't even know. People she's never met and probably never will meet. Did God design you for that? I'm going to unfollow you. All this pressure, trying to please people you've never met and never will meet. I had a guy in my church, and, and he, he said, Pastor, you don't understand, I'm famous on social media. <laughs> I mean, he was serious. He said, I'm famous. I said, how, how famous are you with God? He's a disciple, you know, I can say that to him. He said, uh, are, are you, are you, I mean, he, and, and he's telling me all this stuff. I, even, I have to admit I'm ignorant. When I, I didn't even have a clue much of what he's talking about. But I mean, he was, when he was, talk, it's like fantasy football. I got these guys in church, and they're, they're fantasy football. And I said, it is a fantasy, because I'm almost 80. I could outrun most of you. <laughs> But I wish they was excited about Jesus. I mean, they're in the back, man. Their jugglers are pumping. I mean, they're, they're, I mean it's this and playing that play and ah, this ref and that ref and this. And, I mean, and, and I can tell. And so I walk back. You guys are talking about Jesus, aren't you? <laughs> I, I, I can tell you guys are talking about an outreach. Aren't you? And of course they're not. And I'm messing with them. And I've known them, you know. And they love me and they put up with me. But are you designed for this? Listen, you only got so much time. Life, someone said, is like a coin and you have a choice of how you spend it. You only got so much time. How are you going to spend it? Again, I ask you, does this even compare to this? 
Praise the Lord. Amen, Pastor Campbell. Keep preaching. Is there no time for real people? How many of you, you sit down at the table to eat a meal and don't even speak to the mother that prepared it? Don't even acknowledge who put it on your table because I used to get mad at guys in the church because they're always on their phone. Not all of them, but some when I'm preaching. But then I found out, I said, Pastor, we're looking up scriptures. Oh, okay. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't understand. Amen. <laughs> all these mouths in your space, all these voices, all these comments, all this advice, no wonder this generation is stressed out. Can't sleep, can't eat, pills. You know, I don't know about here, but in Arizona, I mean, we got a lot of old seniors moved to the sun, sun Belt, you know. But I mean, there's a Walgreen on every corner. It's in street drugs. They're all on prescription. <laughs> but I wonder why. Why so lonely with more people on planet Earth than ever in the history? Why so digitally connected but can't name one friend? I got to stay connected. Miss out, I miss, I can't miss out. Overwhelmed, lonely, suicidal. I wonder what's driving that. And I want to deal with a couple of things. You're not designed for that. What about porn? Let me talk a little bit about pornography. If you're designed for relationships, I've had to put guys out of ministry for porn on their phone. Perversion. Porn is a retreat from reality and relationships. The porn explosion. Porn on the phone. Porn hub viewership. Listen. 2009, the statistics, 10 million daily visits. 2012, this is in the U.S., 25 million daily visits. 2017, 75 million, a 53% jump. 42 billion visits to Pornhub in one year. Last year in the U.S., 42 billion out of some 350 million. It's shaping young people's view of sex. Sex and love now is being processed in terms of individual pleasure and desire. It's a pleasure among many. You see, porn is not about intimacy. 
Pornography is not about commitment. It's not about relationship. It's about basic, demonic, carnal, fleshly desires. It's your base nature. It's not about, I want to spend my life with you. It's not about, I want to have dinner with you. It's not about, I want to talk to you. I want to know you. See, that's where friendship comes. That's relationship. He said it's not good for you to be alone. He didn't give Adam a porn shop. He created an image. He created a woman. He created a human being. Pornography is not about intimacy. It's not about commitment. There's no respect. There's no relationship. Are you being programmed? Are you being addicted to a world that's not real? Hooking up term today. No respect. Bible says, husband, love your wife like Christ loved the church. He came personally. He didn't just speak from heaven. It wasn't just, he came personally. He laid hands on the sick. He came so we could know God personally. Husband, love your wife like Christ loved the church. And he sacrificed for us. Wives, see that you honor your husband, respect him as unto the Lord. That's relational. That's not an image. Are you being, as a generation, being programmed to where they have no clue how to make a friend, how to have a relationship? Are they being addicted to a machine? Let's talk about the gaming gap. 34 million Americans devote an average of a full day a week, 22 hours, to video gaming. I quote New York Times 2019, video games are designed to be addictive. It's an open secret in the gaming industry. They pay scientists millions of dollars to psychoanalyze and addict you to a game. Praise the Lord. 75% of wives wish their husbands would put more effort into their marriage and less into video gaming. I used to play Pac-Man a little bit. Tells you how old I am. <coughs> it was kind of challenging and a little bit exciting, but it wasn't real. It's like that fantasy football. Totally different, you're on the field and some 300 pounder crushes you. Then you're, anyway, I won't, Lord bless you. I, but think about it, it's a game. I've had people get divorced right here. Right here. I've had wives 
Pastor, talk to him, talk to him. And he's addicted. Dopamine is the terminology. It's, it's, a, it's, it's an addiction, a mental addiction to a game. Are we being programmed to a world that's not real? I'm asking you. Are you being emotionally, mentally programmed? Is your kids being emotionally and mentally programmed to a world where there's no real people in it? There are no friends. High school sports. For the last 15 years, there's been a decline in students' attendance to football games, basketball games, etc. The alumni goes, people go, staff goes, they pack them. But they, they've asked, where are the students? And you know what they say? Why don't you? I'd rather hang out on my phone. Let me close with the thought relationships demand you, they demand attention, time. Listening, creativity. Adam said, now this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. He didn't get that from Google. The Bible says, he leads me, Psalms 23, he leads me beside still waters. Can Jesus still lead you there? Can he lead you there? Do you ever have an original thought? Do you ever stop and just be still? Do you ever just, do you ever just get, he leads me, but do, do you ever just get quiet and still? A number of years ago, probably 15 years ago, I wake up early in the morning. People ask me where you get all these sermons and ideas and stuff. I won't go there, but I wake up early in the morning and I'll just lay there and I'll say, God, speak to me. House is quiet. God, God, whisper to me. God, speak to my spirit. Listen, you could fix your marriage. God, there's no problem that God can't fix, but do you hear him? Will you allow him? It takes some creativity sometimes. Do you, can God speak to you? Your marriage can be fixed. Your world can be fixed. Your children, you're having problems with your kids. Do you ever stop and say, God, 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 speak to me. You're dealing with stuff that's frustrating you and tormenting you. Do you ever just say, God, God, and just get quiet and still. Can you hear his voice? Do you even recognize his voice? 
He wants to speak to us. You ever just have a dream that has God's handprint on it? An inspiration that comes from God. Go talk to that person. Go talk to them. That's in a girl, you don't even know them. And you go talk to them. I've talked to people, and they just start weeping. We have people in our church that, you know what, they were ready to commit suicide. And some God spoke to us, and they went to them. And they're there today. And you know what, they were ready to pull the trigger. And they're saved today, born again, delivered and changed because someone heard God's voice speak to them. God wants to order. He wants, he wants a personal relationship. We say that. Jesus wants a personal relationship. But can he, do you have any time for him to have a It takes time to build a personal relationship. Do you have time? God, God listen, he'll guide you. He'll order yourself. Being led by the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How do you do that? Somewhere you've got to have a relationship with the Spirit, and that, that takes some time and some listening. And you know what? He'll keep you out of a mess. You ever had God say, listen, no, no, don't, no, don't do that. Let me hear Mary, let me see your hand. You ever start to say something to your spouse? And God's saying, oh, no. Oh, no, that's not a good idea. And what'd you do? They need to hear it. And you start quoting scripture. And it gets worse. Can God speak to you? Listen, even in church, can God speak to you? Joseph in the Old Testament He's in prison, and he's innocent. Everybody, you, I won't, we got a lot of guys. Our church filled with guys have been locked up, done time and stuff, and it's a trip. But he's in prison, and he's innocent. And here's the butler and baker, and he, the Bible said he, he observed their countenance. He could tell something was wrong, and he went to them. I mean, he's got his own issues. And he went to him. and he said, well, what, what's the problem? They said, well, we had this dream. And he interprets their dreams. That moment unlocked his destiny. One of them, of course, dies. The other one, he's back in his position, the cupbearer back with the king. And the king down the road has this dream. You know the story about, about the lean years and the famine and the blessed years and, and nobody can interpret it and this is a couple of years later and this guy says listen when I was in pres prison there was this guy named Joseph that interpreted my dream and of course the king brought him made him prime minister of Egypt Israel was saved from death and, uh, but it began because he, 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 he took time to look at people he took time. He, he picked up the signal. They're hurting. They're in a dilemma. They're terrified about their... They had this dream. Listen, sometimes your whole destiny may swing on a moment 
When you communicate with someone, you hear them, you speak to them. Church is relational. Church is relational. Church is relational. That's one of the powerful things about church. Brothers and sisters in Christ. Our Heavenly Father, Elder Brother. That's one of the power. Listen, listen, when a church, and that's redemption, when you love people that are unlovable, you have hope for people nobody had hope for them. Families written them off, but yet they come through these doors. Listen, that only you can do that. People come through, and of course, we, you know, got a lot of. I'm on the platform. They look at this old white man who, you know, but they come, and they find somebody in the church that they can identify with. And when that person turns to them, says, "Hey, what's your name? You know what? Come over to my house." Sometimes they're shocked. I close with a story. Angie, she got saved powerfully. She got saved. She'd been 10 years in prison. She had nowhere to stay. And uh, we got a lady in our church. She's retired now, Sonny Wilkins. And uh, she's uh, with the Chandler Police Department. She's a sergeant with the Chandler Police Department. And so here's Annie. She's been 10 years in prison. Young Hispanic girl. Sonny, she's, I've known her since she's just a girl, a black girl. And she's, she's a, uh, she's, I mean, she never wears her uniform to church. Recently on Veterans Day and stuff, I had her wear it and I honored different people, but she never wears it. So I, I said, Sonny, you th- got room in your house for Angie? She said, Pastor, I got room. So she takes Angie into her home. Angie calls me after a couple of days. She was down in Sonny's office, and here Sonny is in her uniform with the mayor getting awards. And she said, Pastor, Pastor, you put me back in prison. What have you done to me? <laughs> Best of friends. Best of friends to this day. Here's this lady in prison, 10 years, came to church. Today she's married. She's raising two of their grandkids because two of her sons doing life in prison. Her daughter, who was on the streets and addicted, has come to church, got saved, got married. All of this, I wonder, is because Sonny said, you know what, I may be a police officer. I'll be your friend. I'll be your friend. And it's hilarious. Angie, her and her husband just dedicated the grandbabies. And it's, it's, it's a riot watching her. I mean, what a testimony. Crazy. She's about this big, she weighs maybe 80 pounds, but she'd shoot you in a minute. <laughs> I mean, we're on the streets one time, street preaching, and someone, you know, flipped her off. I mean, I, I thought, uh-oh. You flipped off the wrong girl, buddy. You better get, you better, that automobile better keep going. But to hear her testify, and she says, you know, Sonny, thank you. Thank you for loving me. But nobody loved me. Everybody give up on me. 
Listen, God says now good people are crying out for somebody. Now just love them. Believe in them. Help them. Be a friend to them. And I'm telling you, this machine will never take the place of someone. I ask you to bow your head with me this evening. Lord, we thank you, Jesus.